Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay with God podcast. I'm so glad that you're back and that you're listening and subscribing and sharing. And for those of you who write comments and let me know what you're thinking and feeling about the episodes, I'm so grateful. And guys, just to let you know, I'm not going to disclose who, but right before I came online um, today to do this podcast interview, somebody reached out to me telling me that it's because of this podcast this exact podcast about a year ago that they found it by just trying to search for Christians and gay people. And they found my podcast and they have said that because of this and finding the community here of people that are believers and gay, that they are not suicidal and that they are moving forward in the faith and the God of their understanding. And that that's why I do this. That's why I do it. That's why I was so passionate about the podcast. That's why I wrote the memoir, because if there's still some person, one person out there that thinks that they have to die uh, because they can't rectify their religion and their faith and their sexuality, then I want them to know that they have and always have been beloved. So comments like that, folks, um, I really appreciate them because sitting here, you never always know where the seeds land and who you've touched. And and I appreciate knowing that there's a, a purpose for everything that I'm doing. So anyway, we have another guest today in the house. And I am so appreciative of this person because when I'm doing a podcast and I give information on this podcast based on someone I've trusted or someone I, I respect and they tell me something and I, I believe it. Um, but this person is a fact finder. <laughs> And she wrote to me a most eloquent email talking about finding my podcast and listening to some segment about uh, the 1946 documentary. And she had wisdom in this area, like wisdom because not because she heard it from somebody, but she's lived through part of this. And she's amazing. And I can't wait for you to hear Tina Wood talking about what she knows and also about herself. So Tina Wood grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and went to college at Boston University. In her adopted home state of Rhode Island, she was involved in a successful effort to pass several pieces of pro-LGBTQ state legislation over the years and also runs the email list for LGBTQ news from Rhode Island. She has volunteered as a search angel. I love that word, search angel, who helps adoptees, birth families, and others who are searching for family and friends over the past several years. In 2018, at the request of Kathy Baldock and Ed Oxford, she was able to find Reverend David Shelton Firon, who had written a series of letters challenging the translation team of the Revised Standard Version of their usage of the word homosexual. Reverend Firon's letters are discussed in the upcoming documentary, 1946, The Movie, and Kathy Baldock's upcoming book, Forging a Sacred Weapon, How the Bible Became Anti-Gay. Tina, 
it's people like you that charge me up because if you see something that's not right, you have the courage to write somebody and say, you got that wrong. <laughs> and, and, and you did it so eloquently and so sweetly. And I just couldn't wait to have you on the show for two reasons. One, I want to hear your personal coming out faith journey story, but I also want to set the stage for how this, how this all went down with the 1946 movie. And you got me into to connections with different uh, videos and, and things that I could watch mm -hmm. and learn more. And I so appreciate you reaching out and telling me that. So Tina, welcome to the Gay With God household. Well, thank you. And, and you're very welcome for, for reaching out. I was happy to do that. Yeah. And I appreciate it. So let's start with you. You, the person, Tina, okay. not the search angel, the <laughs> <laughs> not the fact finder. Although when I, when I saw that video with Kathy and, and Reverend Fearon, everything you went through was so amazing. So uh, we'll get into that later, but mm -hmm. tell us your story. Okay. Well, I grew up in Knoxville, like I said in the bio, and uh, I was raised Episcopalian, and I'm grateful every single day that that I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, because the people around me, the classmates, friends, whatever, were mostly from very conservative religions, mm -hmm. being in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have religious shame of my own, but there was so much cultural stuff, mm -hmm. you know, very conservative people. And, you know, they would say, oh, you're going to help. Not that I was out or anything at the time, but they would say that about gay people. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't help but absorb that. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I I kind of I was never very religious uh, growing up. You know, we went to church some, but but not that much. But, you know, we were never taught that the clobber passages or any of that in, in the church. As it turns out, very interesting side note of. Uh, I had no idea at the time, but didn't learn until many years later. But but our priest at the church, his daughter is a lesbian and, in fact, became a minister in the Metropolitan Community Church denomination. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I had no idea. And, you know, <laughs> but that kind of explains part of, of why, you know, we never heard anything bad about gay people in our church, mm -hmm. at least. Mm -hmm. But of course, people around. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I suspected pretty early on something was different. Maybe I didn't want to deal with it. Um you know, kind of put it in the back of my mind, like, no, no, let's, let's not think about that. Let's not think about that. <laughs> um, but like, I remember, I remember very distinctly when I was maybe about eight or something that, you know, I like to play with GI Joe's as if I was never into Barbies or any of that. I was such a tomboy. And mm. um, I remember thinking, oh, you know what? I better like ask for, for dolls for Christmas because I don't want anyone to think something's wrong with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I still did the other stuff, too. But I mean, you know, that was pretty early on. But but again, not really like, oh, I, I better just be careful, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there wasn't any overt hate really in, in my own family or whatever. I mean, you know, every family has issues. Sure. But anyway, fast forward, I decided to that I needed to get away uh, for college. So I went to Boston University. And so this would have been the mid to late 80s into 1990. I graduated in 90. And, uh, you know, I, I I had basically, it took me a long time to figure out, but I have depression and anxiety. And that's something I've struggled with my entire life. And I'm doing okay now. But mm -hmm. I, I knew that I had problems. And, you know, that was kind of my thing is that like, you know, as I thought more, maybe you're gay and, you know, whatever. Um, I'm like, but I don't, 
I don't need more stuff to deal with. Right. You know, right. Yeah. I have enough. <laughs> I have enough. So, but you know, when I was 19 and I met this woman at, at school and it was just, everything suddenly made sense when she actually called it out. Ah, but neither of us could really handle it very well at the time. And it wasn't religion. It was the culture and the, mm-hmm. Oh my God, what will people think? Mm-hmm. Is everyone going to freak out? And mm-hmm. You know, you think about today, it wouldn't have been such a big deal. And this is certainly not in Boston. But back then, you know, this was the 1980s and she had problems too. But, you know, never mind that. I won't talk about that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it ended up not being a good situation. And I kind of was pretty freaked out about things and some other stuff went on. Um, so I struggled with her for a couple more years. And finally, when I was 21, I'm like, that's it. This is this is what's happening. This is the truth. And so I, I came out in a pretty big way at school. Didn't tell my family for a long time after that. Still, it was, you know, a process. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I got really, really involved uh, with, you know, LGBT community activism just that last year of school in Boston. Um, Just what was going on in in the city. And a friend of mine was involved with ACT UP, the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. Mm -hmm. And so I did a few things with him on that and uh, stuff like that. And uh, so after I graduated, I was in a relationship that didn't work out and I was really depressed and I'm like, well, I don't know what to do now. So I'm just going to go back to Knoxville and try to figure it out. And, you know, I, I never told, well, I told maybe one or two people from, you know, that I grew up with um, about being gay or about thinking I might be gay and whatever. And, mm-hmm. but mostly I didn't have gay friends there and, and whatever. So I'm like, well, I need to find gay friends. So, um, the uh, the student group at the University of Tennessee, which is in Knoxville, uh, allowed anybody to come because, you know, there just wasn't much community in Knoxville, mm-hmm. especially for people that age. So mm-hmm. I started going there and I started also going to the MCC church there. And uh, so, yeah, we did quite a bit of, of stuff, um, activism stuff in Knoxville, too, as much as could be done in that time and place, mm-hmm. early 1990s. Um, let's see. I think one of the most important things is, um, you know, I was I was OK with with the religion thing in terms of like, you know, to me, I'm like, well, you know, the Bible says a lot of things, you know, that was kind of my thing. And and I, I was drifting more into like kind of new age beliefs at the time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, this this seems to make more sense to me, you know, mm-hmm. for my life. And I studied some Eastern religions a little bit in college and, you know, learned quite a bit of stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm. Ultimately, like if you ask me right now, oh yeah, I'm I'm pretty much a universalist, and you know I don't go to any church right now, but I I believe a whole lot of things, and I think <laughs> I guess I always have. But I learned more about the religion at the MCC church, and the preacher there was wonderful. He was such a great preacher, so I really gained an appreciation for for the religion and learned things I didn't really know from before. Um, and. We started doing uh, speakers bureau presentations at at UT and any of the smaller schools around that would have us. And I guess I I really kind of learned more Bible self-defense, if you will, you know, in in the process of doing those because people would, you know, they would have questions and sometimes they would get really angry and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, say what they had to say. And I mean, you know, but I I learned a lot. I read a lot of books and whatever. So, uh, yeah, so I did that. And I don't know, the. Knoxville had never had a pride parade. Well, actually, they did like back in the 1960s, but it was sort of questionable whether they did or not. So 1991 was the first one kind of in the modern era. So that was really exciting to do that. That was neat. Wow. 
And uh, yeah, and actually an interesting story. My my roommate at the time ended up with her picture in the newspaper <laughs> without permission, naturally, because uh-huh. you know, it was a public event. And uh-huh. when she went back to work, all of her coworkers wouldn't speak to her anymore. Oh, no. One of them, like, you know, when she touched something on the coworker's desk, the coworker got out alcohol and wiped it down. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So and that was the level of ignorance, you know, uh-huh. for not everybody, of course. Actually, her boss was closeted, which is why, you know, she didn't get fired because, you know, mm. it was totally legal to fire people for being gay. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, wow. So <laughs> the funny thing is my mom, uh, there was a lot of stuff in the newspapers about the parade coming up and, and stuff. And, uh, She's like, well, are you going to that parade tomorrow? <laughs> are you said, going? <laughs> are you going? I said, yeah. She said, well, just be careful. Yeah. And uh, it was, I guess, several weeks later, she, she got me in the car and asked me if I was gay. And I'm like, yeah. How did she take it? <laughs> he was. She said, well, are you comfortable with it? And I said, yeah. She said, okay, that's fine. Wow. Then. Nice yeah. for mom. Yeah. She, she really <laughs> was, was a really good advocate, you know, going forward. She died in 2015, but um, she was, she was a supporter and an advocate mm-hmm. and she had gay friends of her own later, you know, in, in life and stuff. So, uh, okay. yeah. Yeah. She was raised Southern Baptist and then trend, uh, converted to Episcopalian when she married my dad. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. That's that's a that's a leap, Southern Baptist to it Episcopalian. Is. It is. <laughs> um, so um, fast forward a little bit more and doing all the stuff in Knoxville, and uh, I actually met my partner on the internet in 1993. Oddly, nobody did that back then. Almost not even that many people were on the internet, but we did. <laughs> and she lived in Rhode Island, and one of us or both of us had to move. And I'm like, well, you know, I lived in Boston for four years. I I can handle New England, yeah, and and you know, gets me out of Knoxville again too. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah, we were together eleven years, and uh, you know, we're still friends. She okay. uh, she was the president of the uh, the state LGBTQ political organization for many many years, oh. and I was basically. Her lieutenant is how I like to call myself. <laughs> I'm your lieutenant, you know. So I, <laughs> I never took the the lead. You know, I was never the, the person who was in the news or whatever. But mm-hmm. she always was, and she got interviewed on TV and on talk radio and stuff. And uh, the thing about Rhode Island is obviously it's the smallest state, and as a result of that, pretty much anybody who wants to can get involved in politics up here. Mm. Um our state legislature is pretty large and you will actually see your legislator at the grocery store or whatever. And um, in fact, they mostly don't have office space. So you're supposed to call them at home if you want to talk to them. And, you know, they, so yeah, as a result of that, it's, it's much easier for just any random person to get involved if they want to. And, uh, and to hold people accountable. Yeah. That's (laughs) true. You can't hide behind a secretary or a phone, a phone that just messages. But but yeah. also anybody in the state, unless they live on Block Island, which you have to take a ferry, but um, uh, anybody in the state can get to the state house within an hour, which is not true in probably any other state except yeah, maybe no. Delaware. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that's good, too. So mm-hmm. um, I moved there in, in 94 and in 95 was the year that they passed the sexual orientation civil rights bill. That's lesbian, gay, bisexual, but trans wasn't included at the time, mm-hmm. which was politics. Um you know, basically the legislative leadership said, you have to take this out because if you don't, it's not going to pass. 
So the people who were in charge, they they made that decision, and I wasn't part of that. And Kate wasn't mm. either. Um, so anyway, that that passed in '95, and very very exciting. And uh, the people who had been working for that for so many years, which I'm trying to remember, I think they had been working on that bill for nine years. It may have even been eleven. I I couldn't remember, mm. mm-hmm. but a long time. They were exhausted, and they're like, okay, time for the next generation to take over. And they all kind of moved on, and some of them moved away, and you know, stuff mm. happened, and. Uh, so Kate and I were kind of like, oh, now we're in charge? Oh. <laughs> well, Lieutenant, strap yeah. it on. Here we yeah, go. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. So um, wow. so like a lot of our focus, um, that was around the time that marriage equality was starting to be a thing because of the lawsuit in Hawaii. That the theory was if if this lawsuit in Hawaii succeeds, which it looked like it would, then suddenly marriage is going to be legal all over gay marriage will be legal all over the country and oh no so all these states started passing bills to ban it and Mm. we managed to hold off the bills the whole time so it was never actually banned in rhode island because the it was never really written in law that it said man and a woman it just the quirk of the way the law was written i mean and it was never it never went to court except well that's another story there was a divorce case years later but um Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so we're like, we can't let this pass because, you know, we need to basically lay the groundwork for eventually, you know, having this right. So so we had to fight about that. And uh, it, it ended up being very fortuitous. We elected, there had already been one openly gay state senator, but it, um, there was a state rep who got elected, Michael Pizzaturo, and he decided he's going to push forward on legalizing gay marriage. And this was in 1996. And no, 1997 was when he took office. And so he put that bill in every year. So the the conversation became more, well, we have an anti-bill and we have a pro-bill. So let's have a hearing on both. And, you know, the the simplest course for the legislatures is do nothing. So, you know, we used that time to educate for many, many years. We had great hearings about it. People gave such great testimony and stuff. So, um you know, they never passed the DOMA, the Defensive Marriage Act, and unfortunately it took them until 2013 to finally legalize marriage oh. equality here in Rhode Island, just because, you know, reasons. It took a long time, and some of that was just who was in office at certain times. There was a governor who was not supportive for eight years, um, mm. and uh, the Speaker of the House for a long time. But eventually they, they all worked it out, but... um. So in, in 1998, we actually repealed the sodomy law legislatively, which wow. was a huge thing. Yeah. yeah. There was, uh, I could tell so many stories about politics. <laughs> it's, it's what I did for so long. But uh, what happened was, this is crazy. There was this case, um, two guys were in the woods. One of them was uh, giving the other oral sex. Mm-hmm. Won't use vulgar mm-hmm. terms here. Mm-hmm. And uh, the he stole the guy's wallet. Mm. and so the guy went to the police and said hey this guy stole my wallet and he's like well what were you doing in the woods with him and he told them oh and they arrested him oh yeah so that (laughs) that made the news and people were like well this law is stupid we should get rid of this law as if someone could just snap their fingers and make that happen right (laughs) so you know we really had to work really hard and we got and this was an election year too but yeah but it worked wow we did it it was not easy and you know it took a, a lot of work and uh really hard work by legislators too we have had some wonderful legislators up here so uh yeah 
we got that done. And then uh, let's see, in 2001, we actually, uh, we got transgender civil rights passed as standalone legislation in 2001. We were only the, the first state to do it as a standalone legislation, because I think one other state had done it before that, but it was included with LGBNB. It was LGBNT. They got it all passed at once. But we were the first one to do it as a, as a standalone bill. And um, once we did it, and the thing about Rhode Island, again, it's the smallest state, but it's still a state. So once one state does it, other states are like, okay, we won't be the first one, so we can do it now. They, uh-huh. You know, if they had been worried, we don't want to be the first one, then right. suddenly they can do it. So, you know, wow, so that was huge. So so your population has just increased because there's going to be a lot, a lot of people moving to Rhode Island because you guys well, have it going on. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. But a lot of places have that now. Not every place, obviously. but Right. Yeah. It, so so since we're talking about politics at this moment, let me just mm-hmm. ask this question and, and get tap into your wisdom. Sure. With the current Speaker of the House Ugh. and and as a as a fervent Episcopalian and being called to love all people <laughs> <laughs> with that agape kind of love, um, do you really believe or do you believe that that he can promote this hate and and go with it in this climate today is that a real fear um of of yours that marriage equality can be taken back away can he come at us and and actually back it back it up i don't think he himself can but you have to watch out for that nasty supreme court mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. the thing i'm more concerned about because like politics right now nationally it's like Basically, the House can try to pass nasty things. The Senate won't won't go forward with it, mm-hmm. you know, so that's holding mm-hmm. the line right now. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, democracy itself is really at risk. If you it is, there's a lot of writers that I follow. Heather mm-hmm. Cox Richardson is is amazing. If you don't follow her yet, she's wonderful. She's a historian and uh, she writes an almost daily newsletter that uh, puts the current political situation in the U.S. in historical context. But mm. it helped me so much during the Trump years to read her newsletters because it was just some people like, you know, it freaked them out because I'm like, oh, my God, things are so bad. But to me, it helped because I'm like, she's explaining this in a way that mm. is calming me. But uh, she's wonderful. Oh. But she's she's really she says a lot of historians are screaming, you know, pulling their hair out about this moment because of just mm-hmm. so much is at risk, especially, you know, with the Supreme Court taking the turn it does, and you can chip away mm-hmm. at democracy. And but that that's really a whole other conversation. We probably shouldn't get sidetracked. But yeah. 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 I just um only because we were in the politics at that moment, sure. I needed that question answered. And I and I agree with you. So so with your family situation, it mm-hmm. it sounds like from from sitting here that because your family was Episcopalian and never really bought into the homosexual in the Bible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you came out, your mom was an advocate. Was your dad okay with it? My dad uh, was a stroke patient for almost mm. my entire adult life. In fact, he oh. had his first stroke and it was either late 1989 or early 1990. I'm not sure, but uh, he became more and more disabled over the years. Mm. And so honestly, I never had the conversation with him because, uh-huh. you know, he would forget things for one thing. And, and I just didn't want to, bring it up it was just you know mm-hmm. so i it mean it wouldn't have been you know, a conversation it would have just yeah. been i've i've landed this on you and 
who knows where it's yeah. going. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he may have known, he may not have known. I mean, it, yeah. I mentioned in my email to you that I have two siblings who are also mm -hmm. gay, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, my my brother didn't come out until after both of our parents died, but uh, my sister, she was quietly living her gay life, <laughs> and just being from the south you'll understand that don't yep. ask don't tell is clearly a thing in the yes south. yes yeah. so like you know like all the cousins or whatever kind of you know over the years kind of figured it out but no one talked about it and mm -hmm. uh, my mom was i wouldn't say she was the last to know but my sister for whatever reason didn't want to tell her just you know she just oh, I just figure everybody knows or whatever and uh, finally she she got her in the car and asked her <laughs> That and car, the, the confessional booth. <laughs> well, yeah, but that was like in 2015. Uh huh. <laughs> just like okay, okay. You know, she's like, <laughs> "You and Karen are gay, right?" She's like, "Yeah, okay, okay." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but but the really cool thing, um, you know, that was the year that marriage equality, they the mm -hmm. good Supreme Court decision came down, and. uh so she and her partner had, had been together for 20 years at that point and wanted to get married. And so they decided they would go to Las Vegas. And my mom loved Las Vegas. And one of her really good friends who used to be one of her caregivers lived there. So they had the wedding in Vegas. They had a fantastic time. My mom said, my mom said, I've never been to a gay wedding before. And that was the best one. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So and. She died not too long after that. So she got to have this nice party before she died, which, you mm -hmm. know, is, is nice. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, you know, I I have wonderful cousins. Uh, most of my aunts and uncles have passed. I still have two who are still alive and they are wonderful. And uh, we it's actually been kind of a funny comedy of errors because I kept saying, oh, I'm in this documentary and, and it's going to be streaming, but you have to go through this film festival website and, we tried like three or four different times, but just the wires kept getting crossed every single time. Mm -hmm. So they still haven't seen it yet, but they want to see it. So, well, yeah. and I just, I just hope that we all can see it, you know? I, oh yeah. It, it's coming. It is. It's coming. Okay. It is. It absolutely is. One way okay. or another. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. They're trying to, yeah. They're really trying to gen up the buzz, uh, you know, mm -hmm. to get people excited about it and get more media coverage and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. I guess they've had a hard time finding a streaming deal. I don't know what the current status of that is, but okay. for whatever reason, the, the major streaming services were apparently not as interested in documentaries, which that doesn't make sense to me. But Right, because almost all of them have a, a list of documentaries. Right, right. Yeah. Hmm. Well... I'm I'm eagerly awaiting uh, the buzz. The buzz is in the Gay with God podcast house. Absolutely. I mean, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So so here's here's how I got misled. Okay. So the in my head, and we spoke earlier about me being mm -hmm. a lesbian Aries, and so <laughs> things filter through my brain. At I bet a you different... can guess my sign. Can you guess my sign? I bet you can. <laughs> I probably no, really. can. I, I'm I a really Virgo. Can. Okay. Of course, I'm a Virgo. <laughs> well then you're smarter than me but uh, the, nah. the way my the way my brain filters information is in pictures mm. okay when i heard and i might have heard the word seminarian but i i thought i heard the word intern and to me oh. a seminarian was an intern okay okay so i might have heard that word but in my head it was like oh he was like an intern or he was like a student okay Okay. To me, it was kind of like the same thing. So for the folks listening, mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> explain it. 
explain it <laughs> to me. Okay. To everybody okay. Else. <laughs> uh, so it would explain. I mean, so we're like how we're talking. Oh. Yeah, we're talking about the 1946 <clears throat> film, that documentary that's coming out, where the word homosexual in the Bible was challenged. Right. And it wasn't just. And in my head, it was challenged like in the meeting, but it was actually challenged yeah. in letters. So take us from from just tell that story about okay. how this all happened. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought we were going to do another episode about this. We, maybe we are. We are oh, going to okay. do another one. So I want you to just correct the mistake now. Oh, okay. And then we can take the deep dive later. Okay. Okay. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So 1946 was when the, the full uh, translation of the, the RSV, Revised Standard Version, was released. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had been working on it for many years before that. And like parts had been released. I don't Kathy has all the details in, in her <laughs> presentations and whatnot. But um, so before that, the word homosexual had not been used in a Bible in any language. That uh, In the King James, it said abusers of themselves with mankind or something like that. And uh, so, you know, it kind of is implied if, if you have a certain mindset, but it was really about something much more specific than any gay anything. But they did the translation and, you know, because of, cultural beliefs at the time they just thought that was a good translation and they did that and that was that came out in 1946 and uh fast forward to our our seminarian and his his name was David Sheldon Fearon and he was from Quebec and a small town called Lennoxville and um in 1959 he was in seminary at McGill in Montreal and he opens up this bible and sees homosexual but but he knew that he was gay and he knew that he was called by God to be a minister. There was no doubt in his mind and his soul. Mm -hmm. And when he saw that, he's like, well, that can't be right. And so he uh, he went into a real deep dive on research on it. And he was already a Greek student and he was, of course, fluent in French from living in Quebec. And, you know, so he wrote this letter and, you know, this was years after the translation had come out. This was 1959, but it was the first time he saw it. And he's like, you know, I, this is not right. And, you know, he, he laid out his case. Apparently I haven't seen the full letters, but Kathy said it was, I think three pages, single space with an appendix. Wow. So yeah, he really made a solid, solid case. So he wrote this letter and he sent it off and he was surprised that he got a reply. And yeah. they basically said, no, you're wrong. This is, this is it. And uh, he wrote back and said, no, I'm serious about this. And, and you know, he explained more and he, he made a very strong moral case in terms of he's like, you know, this is going if if this isn't corrected, this is going to do a lot of damage to gay Christians that I'm thinking of people. I have certain people in mind who would are solid gay Christians who would die for their faith, you know, mm. and you need to change this. And mm. in in the third letter back, they said, you know what, you have a really good point. And we're going to put your letters in a file. And next time we do, you know, a revision of this, we're going to take this into consideration. But Kathy found this out. Unfortunately, they had just recently signed a contract that said there wouldn't be another revision for like at least 10 years. Oh. So and in fact, it didn't come out until the early 1970s. And they changed mm -hmm. it, I think, to uh, sexual perverts at that time, which is, you know, not not as offensive as saying homosexual, you know. Yeah. Yeah, still implied, but not yeah, but, <laughs> but, but not the same. But as Kathy says, well, straight people can be perverts. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so. and frequently are more so That's than true. anybody That's else. True. So, yeah. Yeah. Statistically. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so these the uh, translation teams 
uh, archives were housed at Yale University. And Ed Oxford, uh, who is one of the researchers, he wanted to go and look at the archives to see, you know, is there anything explaining why they did this? Because like in other languages, that's not what it says. He had been collecting Bibles in different languages and very old Bibles and stuff and doing all this research because of his own, you know, worries about, you know, because I guess he was raised in a conservative Christian background and and really had a lot of questions about this, a lot of doubts and really needed to find out. And Kathy went with him and they discovered the the letters. So, yeah, I guess we'll go into more of a deep dive about that later. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. so um, I just wanted to clear up when you when you re- let me know that it wasn't an intern, but a seminarian, mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to make that right on the yeah. podcast and for anybody else who who needs to know about it. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And and sure. I just I just love knowing you from from just <laughs> just watching you in that interview and reading about you. <laughs> I mean, you're just the the coolest person. And I'm just Aww, so glad that we've connected. You. I mean, seriously. Um, so so with with where you're at now, tell me a little bit about, are you still involved in, talk about search angels because that's, Oh, sure. That was so cool how you did that. Yeah. I, uh, well, uh, your job, your job now. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of funny. This, the term search angels, I always thought that it was kind of like angel investor and other people (laughs) are like, Oh, you guys are such angels to do this, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it turned out that the origin of the term was more about Charlie's Angels because there was a group. <laughs> there was a group on. I wasn't not here, but I heard this from the person who coined the term. Basically, okay. Uh, there was a a group a, a chat room on AOL. So remember AOL? Wow. <laughs> yeah, and and so there was a guy. There there were these people on there who would volunteer to help adoptees who were searching, and there was a guy who kind of would assign them a case. They're like, "You're like Bosley, we're like Charlie's Angels," and so they became <laughs> search angels. That's so cool. But uh, but yeah, it's it's you know basically people who help adoptees and or birth families and anyone who's looking for somebody. Like sometimes it's an army buddy or whatever. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And how I got involved with this now, every state, it's it's kind of. In, in some ways, it sort of parallels the LGBT political situation because every state has different laws around it. So um, at, in, in 2012, Rhode Island's law changed to allow adoptees for the first time ever to get their original pre-adoption birth certificates. Okay. And, you know, I, I knew the law had changed just because I was reading the newspaper, but I didn't think anything of it. You know, I'm like, well, that's that's good, I guess. I mean, I could kind of see both sides of it if people wanted privacy, whatever. But a friend of mine that I knew was adopted, she uh, is someone I knew from the queer community. And I knew she was adopted from, you know, stuff she had posted on Facebook or whatever. But she sent me an email because she heard that I did genealogy research. And she's like, you know, I finally have this name and I've been on Ancestry.com. I've been researching the family, but I can't find out, you know, I can't research them going forward. And you know, I'm, I'm sure that, that my birth mother has passed, but, you know, if you could find if I have any brothers and sisters or whatever. And, you know, one of the last things she said in the email was at age 68, I'm running out of time. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, OK, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to see what I can do. And I had to I had to really figure out how to do this. In fact, uh, the last name of her birth mother is, is a, a a French name. In, in Rhode, we have a lot of French Canadians in Rhode Island and. I I could count, you know, I knew a few different people with that last name in Rhode Island already. I'm like, so I wonder if she's related to this person or this person, you know. And 
my ex is the one who actually told her the, to contact me about this. And uh. um, so we were like exchanging emails. What about such and such and such and such? And then eventually I'm like, oh, I know how to do this. I know because I knew that the birth mother had a bunch of brothers. And so I found an obituary for one of the brothers and I got her married name from that. And then ah. I, I got her obituary and there were she had several other children. And then um, you're going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> we get on Facebook and we're trying to find these these kids who are all adults now. And mm -hmm. one of them, um, I see that, oh, this guy has a mutual friend with me and it's my ex's cousin. And um, I'm like, huh. So I wonder, wonder what the deal is. And it turns out, and this is so Rhode Island because in Rhode Island, we all know each other, we, you know, because it's only a million people total. So we're all connected somehow. <laughs> so my my adopted friend's biological brother is my ex's cousin's cousin's ex. <laughs> all righty then. Yeah. Yeah. That is so Rhode Island. But uh, so. So, yeah, I started doing that. And um, I there was a message board, other adoptees in Rhode Island who had get, gotten their original birth certificate. And at the time, my, my mom was, uh, she had had some surgery and she was in a rehab facility, you know, recovering from it. And we decided we wanted to have somebody there with her all the time. And, and I'm normally a night owl, so I was, I was up all night anyway. So I said, I'll take the overnight shift, but I had to be quiet. But I had my laptop and I'm like, well, I'll just, I'll work on helping these people. And um, so I started doing that. And um, learned more about how how to search in a different project that I won't get into because we're probably mm -hmm. getting short on time I don't know but um <laughs> and um a few years later I discovered a group on on Facebook called Search Squad and oh. that's what they do in Search Squad and uh the group has grown and grown and grown over the years it started in uh, in 2013 and I found it in 2014 mm. and uh, there are now in Search Squad over a hundred thousand members of the group. They're not wow. all searching. They're not all searching, uh -huh. but a lot of people just like to to watch the searches happen because it's, yes. it's just absolutely heartwarming when it works out. Right. And uh, we have a a team of people who are basically our authorized search angels, the people who've proven that they're ethical and that they know what they're doing. Uh -huh. And there's a little bit more than a hundred of us in in that circle. So, uh -huh. and we all have different skills, and uh, you know different things that we do like i'm not normally a dna person but uh for the last few years i was working with a colleague who is very good at dna and we were i'm better at, at finding people like you know if if you couldn't find them i can find them not that i can find everybody kathy swears i can find anyone but that's not true i can't <laughs> <laughs> so but you have um, really good insights as to where to go and where to look it's yeah. like it's like you get a download it's almost yeah, like it kind of is it is like a spiritual download where they go yeah. boom i'm gifting you with this here you go yeah go. sometimes it really is yeah mm -hmm. um because you know there's certain places you can look and you know kind of you have to sort of yeah be on the trail of that but um mm -hmm. So Kathy knew I did this work because I was really lucky. I got to meet Kathy uh, while she was, she and Ed were at Yale. I got to meet them mm -hmm. because uh, I live about two hours from there. So mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, Kathy, you know, we've been friends on Facebook for so many years. I want to meet you. And so I got to meet them. Actually, it was the night before they found the letters. Oh, and wow. I, I told them stories about, you know, my adoption searches. So they knew I knew how to do this. And oh, kind of a side note to that. And this, this is another funny story kind of, but. Ed had been doing all this research and he's like, well, you know, I'm wondering if 
any of, of the leader of, of the translation team, his name was Dr. Luther Weigel. And, uh, you know, he died many, many years ago. And he's like, so I'm trying to find like if he maybe he had any grandkids who might have talked to him about the gay movement before he died, which was, I think, in the early 70s. And he said, and I've been able to track down children of, of all of his kids except for this one. So do you think you might be able to see? I said, yeah. You know, so I got home and I'm looking it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, there's this. And, oh, this one writes really nice things. And then, um, so I found a great-grandson of Dr. Weigel, who is an affirming minister and was already on Kathy's friends list on Facebook. Oh, wow. <laughs> I said, yeah, the calls are coming from inside the house. <laughs> so they knew from that that I knew how to search. So uh-huh. so when they found these letters, they were like, okay, let's let's ask Tina. So Yeah. That is so cool. And see how this, how this all fits to me is divine. Like I really don't see coincidences. I really Mm -hmm. see everything as being somehow divinely connected. Mm -hmm. And I I love it when it turns out because it just flows, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not as hard when you, when you, when you all come together for the same purpose and it's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Enlightenment at this point on this particular word in these uh, revisions needs to be brought out mm-hmm. and we've waited a long time for that. I'm so excited that yeah. it's so close and, and that I'm actually talking to a person that <laughs> is, is in the know, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you were right in it and I'm so proud of you for being able to just step up and do it. Well, thank you. That's thank you. brilliant. That is yeah, just, so brilliant. I just, and uh, I love ahead. the honor that you got, uh, you know, when, when Kathy and, and Reverend Firon was, wherever they were i couldn't figure out if it was some sort of a conference or something that they were yeah at. it's a it's a conference it was the rest of the reformation project which okay. is a it's an organization that's you know working on on lgbtq inclusion in the christian church so you probably want to find out more about that i do want to but, find out more about that <laughs> but I'm, I'm not i'm not involved with that i went to the conference so that i could meet david uh right but, but yeah it's 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 an organization and uh there's so many different ones. Um, I don't know if you know about Integrity, the the uh, the Episcopal organization, the LGBTQ Episcopal. Yes, I actually yeah. went to the conference and I heard about oh, that okay. this time. Good. I didn't know about it before this time. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's, I think almost every denomination, maybe not the really really conservative ones, almost every denomination has a, an affinity group. You know, usually not recognized by the denomination, but it it depends. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad the Episcopalians took their journey of, you know, being upset about it and separating and then coming right. out the other side. And and I really appreciate um, Bishop Curry and all of his advocacy of, of love and, and making it so, I mean, I, I just love how the Episcopal Church evolved before I got to it. Because yeah. I'm only, I, I'm definitely from, I was raised Advent Christian, and right. that's similar to Baptist. And to be introduced to Episcopalian um life <laughs> was a shock. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a, as a kid, I mean, like, you know, there was the people I went to school with, there was a few people who were not either Southern Baptist or Church of God or whatever, but mm-hmm. not that many. And I remember uh someone like, Are you saved? And I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> I'm like, I'm confirmed. I <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? They're like, what are your beliefs? And then and I had I had a friend who was Catholic and we kind of compared notes too because she's like, oh, so you know, you're you're like us, except you can get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love I love Robin Williams' description of the um that we're um he goes, We're Catholic light. We have right. all the liturgy and half the guilt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I and some Episcopalians I, I have I I have said for a long time, some of them have Catholic envy. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Really, oh yeah, yeah. But. Yeah. And and Father Joe had the same thing. He was the priest that had had been there when I when I first mm -hmm. started leaning back into church and he was raised in Kentucky. Oh, and, okay. And there was, you know, they were Episcopalian and they were like the only there was a small, small church of Episcopalians. Sure. And sure. so he uh he got a lot of flack, a lot mm -hmm. of flack from yeah. kids at school. And yeah, you know, he was the good little I carried my Bible to school and yeah, mm -hmm. he was really devout. But yeah. um yeah. yeah, I find it so affirming to be in a place where you can you can be everything you need to be, you know, mm -hmm. whoever you are, you come and you're welcomed. And if you're not, then the church isn't doing it right because you you, sh you should be able to be. It wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, and I've always thought if, if people would just slow down and we say it all the time, but nobody ever hears it, that Jesus was not Christian. Right. He's not He's white. Jewish. He was not blonde. You know, he, yeah, that's right. He was Jewish and he mm -hmm. didn't ever call himself a Christian. He mm -hmm. called himself Christ, but he was not a Christian. Mm -hmm. You know, we it's the people that mess it up, you know, <laughs> we, yeah. we come up with yeah. names and then we decide it's like the gospel. No, mm -hmm. it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because, uh, because I've been involved with the MCC in Knoxville, mm -hmm. um, I was interested in, you know, uh, on the internet and, and this was, you know, in the relatively early days of the internet, I've actually been on the internet since I was in college in the eighties, but wow. you know, and almost nobody was on then. It was all college people, but right. um, a, a man named Louis crew. And eventually he married his partner and it changed his name to Louis clay. He was the founder of integrity and he started an email list for gay Christians, you know, basically started with Episcopalians, but then anybody who wanted to could come in and spoiler alert or whatever, but not really um, somebody I met on that email list. Cause I'm still, well, it's now only a Facebook group and there's not that many people left, but um, one of the people I met on that email list is the person that gave me the clue I needed to finally find David. Wow. Yeah. But um in the in the early nineties, the Episcopalians were fighting about this, and so I kind of heard a lot about it on that list. And from you know, Louis was wonderful. He died a few years ago too. Mm -hmm. um, he was <laughs> one time he called himself a flasher for Jesus because he was just, <laughs> he was fearless. He obviously that's not you know not literally, but he You're would right. say, he would say anything, and he would challenge anybody. He would, and and no. but it was all with love. He once said, "Love is the most subversive act in the world," and I love mm. that. Mm. Um, but yeah, he would, he would, you know, if some bishop said something nasty, he would go to them and say, look, you know, come on, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, yeah, but he started that list and, uh, you know, that was part of how I kept track of, of all that, even though, yeah, but as far as going to churches, I don't, I don't anymore. Um, mm -hmm. during the pandemic, a, a UU minister that I know, uh, who's transgender started a local queer Vespers service online mm -hmm. and so i participated in that that was really good mm -hmm. but you know even the uus had a journey because she was basically ordained and then she came out as transgender and they're like well you can't be a minister anymore this was in oh. the 1990s also so mm -hmm. you know e even they had a journey to take and mm -hmm. i mean they are the most they don't even, they're not really christian they're they're you know 
religion, but it's it's more than Christian. It's kind of a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But you know, of denominations, they're probably the most liberal because mm. they're way way out there. But even they had to go through a process. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think that you know, religion really puts everybody in a box, and yeah. that's why religion. I'm not so much a fan a fan. A a fan of, mm-hmm. but I believe in the spirituality of the essence of the religion. Yeah, you know, that mm-hmm. there's, yeah, you know, I love the liturgy. I love the the way that things are in the Episcopal Episcopal Church can just be. You can count on it. You know that mm-hmm. this is how we read. This is what we do, and yet there's all of this flair in there. You can come in to church in jeans you can you mm-hmm. know you can be gay you can be a bishop and be gay you know it's it's yeah. like you've got Which, i just love the too. balance i love the balance of that mm-hmm. of being able to be who you are to mess up to not take yourself so seriously but to love big you know to the mm-hmm. and to reach out and be inclusive and believe in social justice and you don't get that in in the broad church in such a positive way. It's always just very, you mm-hmm. have to, you have to believe this and you, or you're going to go to hell and and you don't get that, you know, in the Episcopal church. Um, Cause I'm yeah. really sure there is a hell. So. <laughs> right. Well, the 1946 documentary, when you get to see it, I think you'll mm-hmm. really, really appreciate it because so much of it is about Rocky, the filmmaker and her relationship with her father, who is a non-affirming minister. Mm. And, he he just he will not accept her and but she keeps trying and she keeps mm-hmm. trying to have a loving relationship with him mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it's it and then you know we've seen her story with Kathy's story and Ed's story and David's story and mm. and then they they interview several basically theologians about the clobber passages not just ah. the, the one in question of nice you know, um yeah it's it's really this really makes good. me so happy <laughs> oh, you're gonna love so it you really are it's so yeah. good. Yeah, so I'm good. sure. I'm sure. Yeah, and I, I wish you had been able to see it. It streamed at, you know, through different film festivals, and some of them were like, yes, this is only available in these states for these days. And then for a while, there were some that were available anywhere, but yeah. I mean, you had to, like, you know, be listening to to know when that was happening, kind of. Yeah, you know? and, and we who were has all... time to follow everything, right? Yeah, I, I certainly am, am sure that I don't. <laughs> yeah, nobody does. Nobody does. So, but, yeah. but then there are, you know, but then, see, this is not a coincidence. Then, you know, we got into each other's lives, you know, mm-hmm. through you hearing my podcast and and well, hearing... I found your book first. Yeah, you know, I found my when book you first. had it on, That's on right. Kindle when it was free for a few days. Right, right, and, right, 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 right. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I'll read this. You know, and I'm like, oh, she has a podcast, and I'm I I didn't used to listen to podcasts much, uh-huh. but I recently had more time to listen. Uh, long story, not getting into, but. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I've been listening to yours and several others. So yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, Tina, welcome to the family girl. Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. I'm thank so glad you. you're here. And as we've already alluded to, Tina is going to come back. I didn't want to cut her short because I wanted to honor her story. And that was first and foremost. And when I found out how integral she was in the 1946 uh, movie and how this all got got done and I didn't want to I didn't want to give her two minutes to tell how she found David that's the whole thing she was shortchanged (laughs) she needed more time (laughs) not shortchanged in my mind I can have my belief (laughs) I wanted to hear more from you (laughs) 
but yeah, it was right. Every it, it was running out, and they had a time schedule to keep. But I I really wanted to hear more from Tina, sure. and and even in the two minutes that I heard of her journey of of finding and researching, as she does as a search angel to find David, um, I was just impressed all out the wazoo um and see this is the behind the scenes stuff that i loved i love those shows um finding your roots and mm-hmm. um you know the ancestry.com you know yep. finding mystery and you know that those people who are the 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 people on the on the television were not the ones doing all the searching i mean it yeah. showed them kind of like you know scribbling down stuff and making phone sure. calls but there are people like you that are behind the scenes <laughs> following up on all this and getting them the information. And so I just am so thrilled that I know now one of you. (laughs) That's awesome. So Tina will be back, my friends. And Tina, thank you so much for coming. You are very welcome. I'm so glad to know you. So thank you so much. And everybody else, thank you for listening and supporting and sharing wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Don't forget, if you ever want to and you feel led to, go and write a review to give us some more, you know, algorithm stuff. Go to (laughs) wherever you watch your podcasts, especially Apple, and um, and boost that number (laughs) (laughs) so that we can find more people who need to find us. Um, Check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey, and we're going to start to lean in to some of Richard Rohr's uh, Advent meditations. Um, it'll be kind of hit and miss since we only meet monthly, but you know we're going to do at least one, maybe more, if that goes over well with you guys. And this Wednesday, that's not right, this Thursday on November 20, no, that's ah, November 30th, I'm starting the Gay With God Book Club. So for those folks who have been in the Ask Me Anything, which I was doing every month, and they were asking me all these questions about the book even before it was written, and they actually pre-ordered the book before it was written, which was just a leap of faith, I might tell you. But they did it, so then I had to finish it. So we've now changed that group. That's a party little group, and they don't want to disband. So now we're going to become the Gay With God Book Club. And um, they're going to be the first ones coming through. They've read the book and they want to um, have a book club and talk about that book specifically now that it's out and they've read it and they hear the rest of the story. Um, So we're going to start that November 30th. But in order to get into that, you have to be able to have read the book. (laughs) So get it somewhere and then email me at empoweredmidge at gmail.com. And I will be able to uh, set you up for the next um, group that we have. So anyway, lots going on, lots going on. And I also offered before, and I'll offer again, that if you have your own book club and you're going to use the Gay With God memoir as one of your choices, and you'd like me to zoom into your club um, to answer any questions or to ask me anything, I'd be glad to do that. If you're local and you want me to come on over and sit in for one session, I'd be glad to do that with your group. And that would be fun for me and hopefully fun for you. So anyway, If you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. 
consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.